I tell you what, so I've two days for me back into work and I've made the point already because I'm sort of starting one week later than the rest of the country. I just do feel I have to play catch up quickly. So good thing is the fact that I, I get to speak to people who, who clearly inspire me. So even if I'm feeling rather holiday-ish and maybe more Camps Bay than... Uh, uh, than then what to mink and manure belt and fa- thank goodness I've got someone like Dr. Tendai uh, Mijia with me uh, because she is the CEO of Integra Africa which is a marketing marketing company and she also lectures uh, at, at Gibbs the Gordon Institute of Business Science so uh, well good chatting to you Dr. Tendai Mijia thanks for your time and thanks for allowing me to put you in the spotlight thank you thanks for having me on your show and I guess happy new year to you indeed yeah I'll do belatedly yeah. so <laughs> when we say doctor a doctorate in what a doctorate in philosophy, okay. uh, uh, majoring in business science. Okay. How, how important is that? Because uh, you may have heard the earlier bit we were talking about, you know, entrepreneurship and things. How important is that to, to have something as solid as that and then still being in business? Because some see it almost as a contradiction. Come on. Leave the <laughs> academic side somewhere else and, you know, be, be this, this uh, go-getting business person elsewhere. Yeah. No, I think um, what, it depends on what a doctorate means to you. For me, a doctorate meant, you know, getting to the highest level of understanding and expertise in what I do. Mm-hmm. So I did my doctorate very much based on a commercial aspect of living standard measures that was needed. So very practical. Um, thesis. So you can mix academia and business. Right. Well, you've just done that. Yeah. In <laughs> fact, in fact, that what you did is that is that that living standard management for sub-Saharan Africa. That's it. That's so. Wh- why did you have to do that? I mean, did it not exist before? It did not exist at all. Um, there were certain organisations like Unilever who had their own internal um, living standard measures, but most companies would try to apply the South African living standard measures to say Nigeria mm-hmm. or, or, or or Kenya and say, oh, what is LSM 10 there? But it, it didn't apply. So I worked one out based on a sample of uh, 14 countries, and it runs from LSM 1 to 17, with 17 being the most affluent. Okay. And it works across... As opposed to South Africa would be like sort of 9, 10, 11, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Now, yeah. South Africa fits as well into the 17. It's called comparing apples with apples, and it works across the whole of sub-Saharan Africa. W- when did you do this? Um, oh, gosh, it's about 10 years ago now. <laughs> So a decade ago, you saw that nobody uh, tailor-made an LSM for, for, for Sub-Saharan Africa. Yes, I was actually at a conference for PAMRO, um, mm-hmm. the Pan-African Media Research Association in Mauritius, giving a presentation, and I had one more person ask me, you know, what LSM is that? In, mm. in, in, you know, how can we use our LSM in, in, you know, in, in Malawi, for example? And I said, you know, somebody has to do this. I just finished my master's. Um, in which I had pre- uh, uh, developed an LSM for Zimbabwe. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to do it. <laughs> okay, great. Well, I wonder what people may think about it. You can call in and chat to Tendamija, which is uh, spelled M-H-I-Z-H-A, by the way, 0891-104207, 0891-104207. If you know her, um, you may want to say, hi, I've been lectured by this person. I've been involved in business this person i'm a family friend maybe and just someone who admires uh and and truly appreciates what she does that's great if you want to ask some serious questions as well from leadership i, I would strongly suggest here's your opportunity you can sms to 34701 if you're tweeting you can tweet at uh, ashraf garda as well and by the way we're going to post some pictures on on facebook and twitter but also you can check my instagram account you'll find some of the pictures there as as well later on so your you made the point about the doctorate being the, la- the highest standard that you can achieve why was that important to you um, it was important to me because my, my, my kind of favorite mantra is go big or go home. Mm-hmm. You know, get to the end of it. Do the most you can in whatever you're doing. 
seems very obvious. How, how did you get to to living that as opposed to understanding it? I think we, everybody understands it. Go big or go home. But not everybody adopts it <laughs> and embraces it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. I think that very much has to do with my father and the way I was brought up. You know, I was brought up by a man mm-hmm. um, having lost my mother very early uh, um, to breast cancer. But um, brought up by him, he was a, a, a quintessential marketing man, market research man, a Unilever global traveler, uh, Unilever global traveler type okay, of person. Yes, yeah, yeah. And he, he brought us up like that, my sister and I. He brought us up to believe that, you know, be the best or just don't touch it. How did you feel when he was spewing out all these type of things to you, be the best, conquer the world? And he, where, where were you at that time? He did it from, from birth. <laughs> no, and, and, no, no, where, where, where you, physically? Where you, yeah, where were you living? Oh gosh, um, I grew up all over the world. I, I because of him being the glo- global traveler. Absolutely. I started school in Nigeria right. and um, moved to Malawi and then moved to Thailand, Philippines, the UK, um, to Zimbabwe eventually to finish my high school education uh, and then moved to the UK and then to South Africa. So had quite a, <laughs> wow. a, a oh. uh, you know, I went to six schools um, growing up. So, so what about this? I know it's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's something thrown to diplomats and their children very often say, this person has been to like five schools up to matric. It must be so difficult. How I feel so sorry for them. Oh, no. Effectively, that's what happened to you, isn't it? Gosh, it's the opposite. Right. The exposure, the experience, and I think it does depend on um, your character and the type of parents that you have, um, and also the circumstances. I mean, the diplomatic cause and the you know huge multinationals like uh, Unilever—they're set up for that. Um, the schools are—you're on the same page. In the it same book, it doesn't matter whether you you would, you would go to international schools. Yes, right? it yeah. was an international British expatriate school system. And you would be exactly at the, on the same page, no matter if you moved halfway through the term or whatever. And, um, you know, I guess I don't have friends from my childhood, but I have an eclectic collection of people who I sort of tagged mm, along with mm, along the way. Mm, mm. Um, it, it helped me just to be able to be open to everything. Um, for me and my elder sister, it's definitely a privilege. So, so let me just confirm the countries you stayed in. You said Nigeria. Yes, started in Nigeria, right. Malawi, right. Thailand, mm-hmm. in Bangkok, uh, the Philippines, um, and then um, Zimbabwe, and uh, South Africa. And then South Africa. So four African <laughs> and English. No, and, and England And England as well. As well. Okay, so one, one in Europe and then two Asian countries as yes. well. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, so what is, what's your identity then now? Because, because of the fact that you've lived in all those countries and and of course besides going to international schools you've obviously picked up mm. the cultural nuances uh from from being part of of, of those communities i'm very much a, an international citizen um in my mind i don't come from a paradigm of even being a woman or being black or or anything i'm just a global citizen i'm going to ask you whether that's problematic <laughs> that you that you need to sort of the need to pigeonhole and and, and why is that a good thing or a, or in fact a bad thing Having a fascinating chat, I did say we'll be inspired chatting to uh, Tendai Mijia, uh, who is the CEO of Integra Africa, a marketing organization, and who also lectures uh, lectures in business, right, at, at Gibbs, right? So 891 we'll find out about other things that makes her tick right after this. Afternoon Talk on SAFM. Chendai Mijia, spelled M-H-I-Z-H-A, is my is my guest in the spotlight. Uh, done lots of things uh, involved in well with the PhD, as you've heard earlier, with philosophy and, and business science as well. So that's part of what she what she lectures at Gibbs as well. Quite quite fascinating. So let's talk about this 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 
we, we spoke about who you are and you said you're this international person. So what then are your thoughts about if we gave you an award to say you were the first woman to win an award or we're speaking to you because you're this high profile woman or this high profile black woman or this high profile South African or Swazi or Nigerian. How much of an issue is that for you? Um, I generally find it annoying um, and uh, try to sidetrack it. I, I was apparently the first woman to win the Entrepreneur of the Year in Zimbabwe mm -hmm. back in 2004. But I just took it as I won the Entrepreneurial Award. And um, that was my accolade, not mm. the fact that I was a woman. Why do you find it annoying? Because that's not my paradigm. I, I don't uh, wear those, uh, you know, robes. So I don't really notice them. It doesn't affect it. So I, I find it, it's, um, it, it's, it's just derailing. It mm. takes away a lot from the focus of whatever you're there to talk about or to do. People trying to box a person mm. or categorize. Just get on but with it. But what about it. the flip side, which is that if you're if you're a, if you are and I, you're a woman and you happen to be a black person in Africa, we all know about these these changes. Try to change the the, the paradigm of how Africa is seen around the world. So the fact that someone can say, "Well, you're in a position where you can carry the the African flag and you can carry the black flag as well," because we so desperately need that, and you're actually almost saying, "Come on, I'm, I'm bigger than than both those things." Do yeah. you not find yourself then almost letting certain people down by by your attitude. Not Which really. Is not the same as not being excellent because you obviously are. Yes, right? no, not, not really. I mean, if I am in America and I'm the only African person there and I'm speaking at a conference, of course I'm proud of that. I'm proud to represent uh, my continent. I'm not saying I don't represent mm, my continent, mm, but I'm just saying in, in forums where it is, you know, not particular to whatever I'm doing, um, why, why should it be on the, on the table mm, at all? Mm. So what, what occupies your time now? What, what in fact do you do? Gosh, um, I was reading actually an article in the Harvard Business Re Review that said um, less than 10% of people do one job. And I didn't realize that. Um, so, so less than 10% <laughs> of people do one job and concentrate on it. Globally. Globally. So one job at any one time or one job in their entire career? One job in their entire career. Okay. Now when you look at any one... T uh, I'm going to make a note of this. Yes, please do. This is the chat I'm having with <laughs> My son is just finished matric and is going into varsity next month. So this is part of what he needs to understand. Yes. Yeah. And, okay. and I can't remember the percentage of people who, who do more than one job currently, but they did mention that. Um, and I was realizing when I was making a list for this interview that I do probably about six or seven different things. Um, you know, from lecturing, I'm a public speaker as well. So I, I, I speak for, for organizations. I do transformation. I have mm. a research business called Research Bureau International, which this is our 25th year, by the way, okay. of operation. Mm. It's based in Harare. And we do uh, consumer market research across the continent. But from, from, from Zimbabwe? From Zimbabwe, which is a, a really cost-effective base to work from in collecting data, processing data and that. Um, and I, you know, I do something called Tribe, which mm -hmm. is um, internal brand engagement. It's easy enough to craft a marketing or a brand strategy, but how do you operationalize it? How do you get it into the hearts and minds of people? So I create programs that do that. Uh, companies like Kenya Power, right now I'm working for Togo Sun. Mm, okay. Um, just coming from there now. and. Um, yeah, uh, organizations, many uh, Nigerian banks have done the same program for. So I, I do a lot of uh, different things. And, but, but they're all different things, you know, not within one company. They're different things within 
different companies, effectively. They're different things within different uh, within different companies. I mean, Integra Africa, which is my main company, um, spans across all things marketing and branding. Mm. Um, and you know, you often go into the areas of psychology, you go into the areas of HR and that within that gambit. But then the others are pretty separate. Gibbs. Um, being on the faculty of Gibbs is new for me. I just started. Okay. And now I used to do um, uh, adjunct uh, lecturing part time, um, and it's been absolutely interesting to enter the area of academia um, squarely. Because mm. so, I haven't. So, so, so what about those that say, you know, if you if you chase uh, if you chase two rabbits, you end up with nothing, as opposed to chasing one rabbit and you'll and you'll be able to catch the rabbit. One rabbit is so boring. I can't deal with you it. You can't deal with it. <laughs> My mind is always busy. <laughs> but is, is it not the danger that you saturate yourself by, if, you know, doing this and doing that and you can't pay? Because, I mean, we all try and do some things and you find it's a battle to pay attention. I don't, actually. I don't battle to pay attention. Um, I find that whatever I do, I immerse myself in it completely. Um, and it's about managing your time, about being fair to what you're doing, giving whatever it is that you're doing at the time your full attention. If I can't give something my full attention, I won't do it. Okay, we're going to find out how you manage it. I think time management is something everybody battles with. Oh, wait, no, in one one zero four two zero seven. If you're tweeting, by the way, tweet to me at Ashraf Garda. I'll be able to pick them up. And if you're SMSing, there's a couple of SMSs I'll read out in a minute. Three four seven zero one. My guest is uh, Dr. Tendai Mija, spelled M H I Z H A, as you've heard, CEO of Integra Africa. Afternoon talk on SAFM. Chandamija is my in the spotlight guest. So let's talk about time management. You know, the, the desire to do many things is great because you don't want to be bored. But how then do you, you know, what, what's the mechanism to get it right? Um, I think the, the, the main way that I, I do it is to concentrate on one thing at a time. So I block off days and block off areas where I won't uh, flit between four or five things in any given day. I block a day and I block everything else out and work on So, okay, one so explain thing. that. I, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> explain that in, in, in practical terms. So, for example, if I, if I have my mind on um, uh, improving my, one of my speaking subjects, one of my key speaking subjects is understanding the African continent mm -hmm. as the next frontier for growth globally mm -hmm. and if I if I want to concentrate on that I won't look at any lecturing material I won't even answer my emails for the whole day I'll block out maybe six or seven hours and I'll just concentrate on that getting that right you know googling mm -hmm. looking around mm -hmm. reading books doing whatever it takes not answering phone calls or anything then I'll switch on my phone maybe three o'clock the desperados can get answered back and okay. things like wow. that um, it's I think it's the discipline of blocking off that many of us don't have today because we cannot switch off our phones. We don't know where the off button is. It's a crutch. Mm, mm, and it mm. actually steals time. And, but is it, is it just phone calls? Because, I mean, the other point is you could be involved in, in what you just said, like sort of working on your, on your speeches for, for the African continent. But at the same time, the logical thing for most people is, okay, let me spend one hour today on that. Then I'll do one hour looking at my in, uh, in integral Africa work that I've got to do. Then in the third hour, I'll do something else. Are you saying, in fact, that that's less productive than giving off five hours in one go yeah, to look, a specific subject? Look, I think everybody is different. But for me, it doesn't work to jump from one to the other. 
Um, I have my days when I'm clearing. I call them clearing days, mm. where I just mm. go to my main mailbox and just clear whatever comes. So you're jumping around. But if you want to actually get something done that moves you forward, I think the, the mind, we're humans, eh? The mind doesn't go deep mm. that way. Mm. Mm. So you'll end up very superficial in everything you do. So if you concentrate on something, the mind goes down in ladders almost. Okay. Till you get to the sweet spot and oh gosh, that idea comes and you you know you make something of it. All right. Some yeah. some valuable uh, <laughs> lessons and and advice as well. Uh, let's talk about a book you call. I mean, we often talk about sort of comparing apples with with with, with pears and different things. Yours is what apples with apples, right? Yes. Is that the name of the book? Yes, yes. Tell me about it. Um, it's actually my uh, thesis topic as well. It's it actually means that we can compare affluence or affordability mm. in the same way across all countries. If we take, say, the U.S. dollar, we may want to try to get income and compare it across uh, uh, all the, the 47 uh, sub-Saharan African countries. But a dollar is different in each country, depending on the cost of living. Mm. Mm. So you can't really compare exactly. It's an apple and an orange. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this uh, LSM takes about 80 different variables. And it works them um, all out to give you a measure that is uniform across the whole of the subcontinent. What about you know the, the feeling that um, uh, LSMs, in fact, as a, as a tool, uh, is dead? I think uh, LSMs uh, as a tool is the most misunderstood tool on mm, earth. Mm. I do a lot of workshops on LSM, and the most common misconception is the fact that an LSM can do everything for you. It's a targeting tool. Mm. It's not a targeting tool. It's your base tool. All that the LSM does is to give you affordability, typology, behaviors, needs-based uh, um, segments. You have to put that on top. Mm. And people try to use it just as I'm targeting LSM 7. Previously, when it was politically correct, we'd say LSM 7 black, mm. white mm. colored Indian. You can't say that anymore. Um, and it didn't work anyway, <laughs> as, mm. as one can imagine. Um, so I think at the end of the day, it's trying to get a lot too much out of something. There's also a very big difference between the um, sub-Saharan elephant that I developed and the universal one that's here in South Africa, mm. Mm. is that the one here is grouped into equally sized groups, which isn't the way uh, uh, that we know that in South Africa, the Gini co coefficient is the highest. In, in, in Africa, mm, measured that, 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 that The gap between rich and poor, yeah. yes. Mm. Yes, the distribution of wealth is totally disproportionate. And therefore, you know, it, 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 it's, it's impossible for you to try to measure in that way. Um, so if, if you make equal groups, you push people up and down. So what the LSM that I worked out does is it allows for a natural distribution of that LSM. So you get that left skewed distribution, so the back end of poverty is higher, and it slopes all the way down, and okay. then it pips up at the top for <laughs> exponentially, exponentially right. rich. So, 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 quick thought. You, you made the point. You, you wish not to be described as a woman or black, even though you may be both, right? Because I mean, you, you're bigger than that, <laughs> right? Fine. Having said that, in in terms of the business that you're involved in, Integral Africa, which is a marketing company, right? Do do you in fact not agree that whether we like it or not? you have to market to, to segments and to a large degree it's on LSM or whatever that, that measurement maybe even those tribes you spoke about earlier on but to a large degree those tribes are based on color so it's maybe the middle class that, that is most fluid 
but but in most other cases it's it's always a tribe if if i having just come from cape town now this week if if i'm marketing to mitchell's plane there's a certain demographic that is very different to marketing to Kems bay Yes, definitely, but I don't think I, I don't think that it's that simple anymore. I don't think tribes are uh, defined by ethnicity anymore. Tribes are defined by products, by brands, by concepts. Um, you'll find somebody in Mitchell's Plain who loves a Samsung as much as somebody in Kukuletu, as much as somebody in, in Rondebosch. Uh, and then why is that? Is that a black-colored mm. person? Except it's, the one may have the very person. latest one, the one may have a smaller one. Would that be fair? Is that is that... Uh, not necessarily. You, we find people buy disproportionately to their income. The guy in Mitchell's plane has probably got the same one as the madam there. Which means what? If, if that's the case, <laughs> and I think you're maybe largely correct, if, if that's yeah. the case, that means there's an, there's an equalizer here. There's an equalizer, which is the brand. So the bank account is different, but the purchasing of items is, is the same now. Yes, everybody has access to what they want. So there's aspirational purchases, but it's the same thing they're buying. So as a marketer, Mm. Never get confused about choosing a target market based on ethnic or demographic. You have to do it on uh, based on needs, wants, and what the brand proposition is. Let's talk about mentorship uh, very quickly. We've got about 30 seconds before we get to news. How important is it? Because, I mean, you're involved in that, right? Mentorship is critical. Um, if people are not inspired, if people are not guided, if people's passions and talents are not, um, you know, uh, 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 focused, I think they lose their potential. So it's critical. And when you, have, when you feel that you have arrived somewhere, I think it's useless unless you're going to share it and you're going to use it to bring up. Why, why is it useless? Yes. I mean, what happens if you arrive but you don't have time to share it? Because you're too busy. You're the scientist. You, you're, stuck in the, uh, you're stuck in the corner of your room trying to wait for some great discovery. As much as you should be mentoring, you can't take away from your primary work. But all of us are going to die. <laughs> we will die with our knowledge. That doesn't make sense. I think we're there. Part of the purpose of every person is to give back a certain thing to society. So if you're going to take it and use it and die with it, that doesn't make sense to me in terms of my understanding of a human purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, interesting one. I wonder whether others may agree. I, I find this fascinating. Dr. Chandai. Uh, Misia with me is my in the spotlight guest. We'll talk about other things as well. Uh, perhaps so as well, uh, the type of things that absolutely inspires her. And we're talking about uh, many things, including mentorship and business and uh, philosophy, I suppose, and, and LSMs or living standard measurements too. But let's talk then. You know, if you're saying mentorship is important because we're going to die, and I think that's a given, is the way mentorship is, let's call it practiced, is it the right way it's being done in this country and around the world? Or or as you change the LSMs, is there scope to change the way mentorship is, is, is practiced as an art? Yeah, I just, uh, I think my, my, my only sort of worry about mentorship is that it's not uh, often formalized. I think it should be much more structured and formalized. If you take on a young person, see them all the way through. Make sure you have time for them. You know, book the year out with a regular, you know, uh, a meeting that you know you're going to have a mm, tea or a mm, coffee with mm. them once a month or twice a month, and give them that time because they're not always going to call you. A lot of the time, the, a lot of the times, the mentee expects the mentor to call them, and and they're not always accessible. It's just too busy, yeah. And you're yeah. busy, and then mm. you end up putting them off. Um, so I think it's just to formalize and make sure that you have as absolutely sacrosanct the time for that mentee and they have the space to, to, to take from you what they can.
Okay, let's get to let's get to one or two calls. I want to ask you about uh, some things you may want to get off your chest, but let's get. I think it's Philip. I want to just double check. In fact, okay, before before we, we just lost Philip, uh, but do call back and I'll, I'll get your thoughts. Just you, what, what do you want to get off your chest? What, what do you feel strongly about? <sighs> Xenophobia. What What about it? I don't think it's you, a I don't think it's a phobia. Mm. Um, I think it, a phobia is fear, mm-hmm. and this one is a mixture of fear and hatred. I think it needs a new name. If we're ever going to get to the bottom of it, you're talking in South Africa, or I'm Belgium? talking in South Africa. How how do you, how, but how, how do we change it besides the new name? How, how do we change because South Africa in particular is different, where we we owe so much of our success to foreign countries, uh, you know, Zambia, Tanzania, Morocco coming exactly. to mind, when India recognized. I mean, all those things in the past, and yet there's this growing dislike for anything that's not South African. I don't know. I think it's from it comes a dialogue. It comes from the chi- from the the children. It comes from the permissiveness of which we allow people to say things. I mean, I am a Zimbabwean. I don't speak South African languages. Mm. Just to buy bread or petrol can be a problem. I'm answered in one or other language. I answer to some extent, and then the conversation goes on, and I'm like, mm. "Sorry, I don't speak." You get <laughs> you know, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing. You're like, "No, why? Not every black person is from South Africa." You know, um, you've been, you've tried to be as pleasant as possible. You know, you get to a shop and somebody says, so where are you from? I said, mm. no, I'm from Zimbabwe. Say, but you don't look like a Zimbabwean. Oh, okay. Say, excuse me, what does a Zimbabwean look like? Oh, they're black and ugly. You're rather light skinned. Oh my goodness. You know, okay. you oh, get yeah. these conversations on a daily basis and it, it's just not right. How do we change it? Let's get some calls. Uh, Philip on the line, you need to put your headphones on, right? Uh, Philip uh, from Mdeni South, uh, go ahead, hi. I, I should have compliments of the new year. Thank you so much. Oh, your guest is uh, exceptionally great. You know, uh, it's a long time I've ever had uh, such an interesting uh, conversation. I, I agree, actually. Not that it's a long yeah. time. I'm, I'm inspired by her as well, just talking, listening to her. Yeah. Oh, Tan- Dr. Tandai, it's how good. are you, my dear? I'm very well, and yourself? Yes, you know what? I, I've enjoyed this program. I'm sitting here in my lounge and I've been listening to this discussion and it has inspired me to really think big, you know. And okay. uh, one thing that I've learned, nothing is impossible in life as long as you've got a dream and know that you can make it. And uh, really, uh, may, may God keep you and I pray for more people of your caliber and uh, style of leadership to uh, evolve, more especially in a township. And uh, thank you so much for the program. We've, we've lost you, which oh. is a huge pity. Uh, oh, sorry, <laughs> Philip, we lost that last bit when you said thank you so much. Continue. What did you say? Thank you so much. What? Thank you so much for the program. This program has been great. Really. I enjoy the program. Well, keep on listening. We, you know, you're the customer in this case. If you don't listen, I'm in serious trouble. It's as simple as that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for thank that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Nice. I mean, how important is that type of call to you, you know, that, that you get that sort of feedback? It means everything to me. I mean, my, my life purpose is to make a difference. And if anything I say or do can make any difference in any life, then it was worth getting but isn't up. that like the simple, I want to make a difference. What does that mean? I want to make a difference can become a cliché. But uh, and it becomes difficult to differentiate between the cliche and someone who means it. But I mean it, and uh, <laughs> that I know I mean it, and that's all that matters. <laughs> okay, that, that's important too. Uh, Prevena, I think it's right. I hope I pronounced the name correctly. Go ahead. Hi. 
Hi, Asha. Yep. Thank you so much. Go ahead. Mm. Yes, uh, I just want to say to Sandai, uh, I'm a friend of hers and uh, I've known her for a long time and whatever she said, she lived it. Um, and she's been an inspiration to me as a friend and as a woman. Um, but I also want to say that she's also, ex- in, uh, uh, I've exposed my kids to her and um, she's just been amazing to them. And so we have a question for her. Uh, what advice would she give to somebody, a young person entering the marketing world? Okay, very good. Thank you. Th- thanks for that yeah. call, right? Okay, so you obviously know who we're talking to. What advice would you give a m- person entering the world of marketing? Good. Hi, Vivian. Um, thanks for that. I would say to any any kid who's entering the marketing world that they need to be open-minded. They need to be open to criticism. They need to be prepared to do anything and whatever it takes. A lot of our kids grow up with a sense of entitlement. I do this and I don't do that. You lose opportunities to learn. Tag behind anyone and do anything that they want you to because every little nugget that you pick up builds up into a world of expertise by mm. the time you're 25 years down the line. I think that that's, a, that's a very good point indeed. Let's get another call. Tulani on the line uh, from Cape Town. Hi, Tulani. Hi, Ashraf. Thank you for taking my call. It's a pleasure. Go ahead. Uh, yes, uh, hi to the good doctor too. Hi. Uh, I'd like to first agree with the first point that you made. You made a very good point in that uh, xenophobia, maybe it's not a proper term. Uh, there is a, an aspect of hatred and I agree completely uh, with that statement. But however, I think we often forget the role of capitalism and the exploitation of the working class in the question of xenophobia. I'd like you to expand a bit more on that part. The the exploitation of the working class? Yes, that results in xenophobia and even strengthening uh, the feeling of xenophobia amongst many South Africans. I'd like to hear the doctor expand on that as well as the question of race. Uh, I think she used the term that that's not the paradigm with which, with yeah. which she functions. All right, that, that's I'd like answer. to know whether it's never affected her in her life at all. Okay, go, thanks, thanks for that call. Right, thanks. go ahead. All right, bye. Okay, um, I do think that uh, capitalism plays a great role in fueling uh, xenophobia, um, but also uh, lack of service delivery to a great extent. Um, when you get houses, which uh, RDP houses, which get sold cheaply to, uh, say, uh, Mozambicans mm. or anybody else, that is to do with somebody being given the house, but they can't even uh, upkeep it. The next guy is working and ready to take it. Um, and then it then gets painted in a light that, oh, the Zimbabweans or the Mozambicans mm, are taking mm. the RDP houses. But it is actually a basic economic issue of lack of service delivery. So I do agree with you on that point. If we want to look at race, I have been affected so many times. I'm affected on a daily basis to do with racism. I was left in Cape Town without a home because uh, a, a homeowner that I'd paid a deposit to realized that Mija was oh, not is, an is Israeli not, name. Okay, I thought <laughs> it was some, okay. All right. <laughs> but a Zimbabwean, yeah, yeah. Uh, black, two doctors. My husband is also an ophthalmologist. Uh, and it, he said, I'm not having any of these types of people in my home. So I experienced it, but I'm saying that I don't want that to be my cage. I will compete with anybody, anyhow, directly on the same platform. You're not a victim. You don't allow. I'm yourself. not a victim. No. You don't allow yourself. I'm not bothered Cause about because I, I get that sense. Yeah. Yes. So, so outside of the xenophobia issue, if you had to have lunch with the president, President Zuma, what would you put on the agenda? <sighs> president Zuma, I I 
would love to know exactly what he thinks of President Mugabe mm. um, and his wife without uh, any diplomacy standing in the way of our conversation. Um, I would love to know what he feels about the tension between sovereignty and actual leadership, um, peer peer review, peer pressure. What difference does can, can presidents make? Um, you know, to what degree can we allow this uh, sanctified sovereignty to allow another president to get away with so much? I would just like to ask him in a in a, in a quiet conversation. Okay, in a quiet. Now, in a so corner. since you're from since you're from Zimbabwe, <laughs> another take. You have another president called Robert Mugabe, right? We do. And, and we'll see how long he stays as president. What would you put? What would you ask him? Um, I would ask him when he's going to give somebody else a chance. That's it. His wife? No, 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 not his no. wife. Seems so, like it. No, but um, somebody uh, properly elected for, not just for political reasons, but for the reasons of their plan. Mm. There has not been a plan for such a long time. Uh, ZANU-PF is one of the most, the strongest uh, political organizations that I've seen um, in the world, uh, in, in you know, just after independence, mm-hmm. if you would see our manifestos, they were something to behold. Fantastic. Um, and over the years, that has been lost. We haven't seen a plan. Uh, you know, when about 15, 20 years ago, the election uh, slogan was, we'll never be a colony again. Mm-hmm. My 18-year-old daughter was at the time ready to start voting. And she was like, but what are they saying? What are they promising us? What are they going to do? Um, so I would like to see a plan. I'd like him to hand over to somebody with a plan, not a history. That's interesting. Very, very much so. Who, who inspires you in South Africa? You know, a, a loving person. I'm saying that deliberately so that you say, wow, this person embodies all the things that I believe in strongly. Um, Wendy Ngoma. Vitz. Mm-hmm. I think she steers Vitz. Um, with such purpose, um, she she really inspires me. I I love what she has done and her her strength and her focus. Mm. And and I mean, have you do you, do you have? Well, you mentioned you know you have this motto. So do you have this like uh, a, a life mission statement, personal mission statement? Um, I think I've said it already. It's go big or go home. Is, is, and you and you you embody that. I, yes, I I I I believe. I, I truly believe in that. Regrets? What, what, what's, what's the regret you have? Uh, I couldn't become a pilot because I was too short. Really? You know, when I was a teenager growing up, I had um, uh, an ANC shield on my door at age 15 and a pilot's cockpit poster. And I was going to be a pilot. And when I went to the Zimbabwean Air Force to find out whether I could sign up, they just... They, they crushed my dreams. That's it. You're gone. Right. Now, we've got, we've got about a minute to go amazingly, right? Um, a, great, a great quote that you can leave us with and, and a book besides your book, Apples with Apples, that you can recommend. A book, definitely Ben Okri, Astonishing the Gods. Okay. It's mind-opening, uh, wonderful exploration into what can be. All right. And a great quote. Um, a great quote. Um, possibilities. When... The caterpillar thought its life was ending. It actually became a butterfly. Okay, something we all should know, right? Who, who's the one person you, you would absolutely love to meet? Um, 
I think I'd love to meet Denzel Washington. Okay. Many would say yes. Who would you want to bring into the South African cabinet who's not a politician, just somebody, anybody? Well, you for a start. Hey? You. Or myself. Yes. So I'm going to have to be based in Cape Town. All you. Harry right. well, yes. Nell. Okay. <laughs> Nolene. She okay. always gets to the heart of the matter. My I would want simple people who just get to the heart of the matter and get on with it. All right. So there you are. We're talking about spreading jobs. There you are. Very, very difficult. That's where we're going to leave it. Love to chat more, but I've got some work in cabinet now. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great chatting to you. And thanks for allowing me to, to put you in the spotlight. Thank you so much. It's been yeah. wonderful. There you are. Tendai. Mesia. Not an Israeli name. Let's get that right. And just by the way, your thought that you're not a pilot, some may say, you must be joking. She clearly is a pilot. She's sharing South Africa, maybe the continent, to, uh, to, to safe waters, something very important pilots ought to be doing.